Well, welcome to this week's edition of Moment with Mickey for Retail Level Up. And today we have a guest, Elizabeth Turley. Elizabeth has shared with me a couple of interesting little stories about her background, and I'm going to use that as our introduction. So when Elizabeth was young, she wanted to be an architect or a geologist, and her career couldn't have taken her further in the opposite direction. She still loves to design and build things, just not quite the way she thought she was going to. And geology, well, she still picks up a rock when she goes on a hike because she finds them fascinating. But somehow she ended up in the restaurant business, mostly because she loved fine foods, don't we all? She opened a restaurant though, for many years in Boston and in Naples, Florida. And Elizabeth shared that everyone should work in the restaurant industry because that is absolutely where you're going to learn some of the best skills. Um, she looked to exit that industry when she had some small children because restaurant and family, it's a pretty tough combination. And she was given an opportunity to work with another love of hers, apparel. After working with two large apparel corporations as a marketer and a brander, she has come full circle and now she owns her own retail store, boutique, and restaurant. Retail Level Up welcomes Elizabeth Turley. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here and be part of your program. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time because I know you are one busy lady. <laughs> this is true. Yes. <laughs> Never so a dull I, moment. Never. I would love for you to share with our audience a little bit more about yourself and about your background. I know that you've been in restaurant, you've been working for some large apparel corporations, but give us a little bit more color on that. Well, I operated a restaurant in Boston, which was a fine dining establishment. It um, right on the waterfront on Commercial Wharf. It was very, very popular um, and, and lots of fun. It was a lot of challenges from running from 130 seats in the wintertime to 600 seats in the summertime. So there was a lot of ebb and flow, a lot of challenges trying to make those kinds of adjustments and staffing, et cetera. Um, and so those are skills that I took on with me. I never dreamt in a million years I'd end up in the apparel business, but found that many of those skills really carried over. And I was recruited by uh, the founder of Chico's Women's Apparel mm -hmm. and worked there for seven years through the very high growth period, started at 66 stores and left at 650 stores mm -hmm. post um, White House Black Market acquisition and the opening of the new brand Soma. And I took those skills, um, which was really, I launched the first uh, catalog and developed the website, which was way back early in time when that was all new to everyone. Um, so really the focus was on opening stores and then beginning to do to, to develop direct sales. Um, I went to Coldwater Creek and they were doing exactly the opposite. They had started out as a direct marketer with a catalog business, and then started opening stores. So it was really a great foray, working for two tremendous brands. Again, started at Coldwater Creek, 66 stores and left around 350 stores. So a lot of, um, a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. Um, and I think that one of the greatest things with being, they ultimately are very large corporations, 
but started with them very small when they were small. And so it really enabled us, it gave us the opportunity to learn many skills um, and to be exposed to a lot of different departments from finance to store operations, to marketing, to production, to sourcing. Um, so I really, I cherish those opportunities that I had. And that's what really made it um, easy for me to kind of get into my own business having that, that experience. Yes, it, I, I'd have to agree that when you work for a company that starts out small, you get so much exposure to all the different departments and all the different aspects of running the business that when you're you know, often working for a large corporation, you only get to see your little silo. Exactly. Yeah, so great, great background and experience. Mm -hmm. But now tell us, um, what made you decide that you wanted to open... I saw something shiny. Well, honestly, um, it was at a very difficult time in my life and I had cancer <laughs> and I just, I knew I had to do something. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Um, I was going to listen to my, my guidance, my Lord, and find out what exactly I was going to do. And I really was honestly was not well thought out. It was on a whim. I, I spoke to a friend of mine, um, Doug Foddy, and I said, Doug, let's open a store. And he's like, yeah, let's do it <laughs> <laughs> with no planning. Open the doors on July 4th with hardly anything on the rack and still didn't know. I just knew I wasn't going to do the cancer thing. You know, it just I wasn't going to do that. I needed to have something else to focus on. So um, as it turns out, it was a great decision. Um, it's led me in so many directions, but also to a really a vision of the future of, of the end game. And I'm really happy about it. So how did you decide what product you wanted to offer? Well, I had been working with, um, I am a creative person and I was playing with rhinestones <laughs> and I thought, you know, I could make some designs out of this. And I really turned it into art. It wasn't just blingy words or anything. And I, and I would apply these stones one by one. It was very therapeutic at that point in my life. And then to see the end result and people loved it. And that was my first step into, into my own shop at that point. Um, it, it, it since has developed into anything but that <laughs> um, because it was really, it, it was more of a passion slash hobby than a, an, um, an income generator. And I just had to see where, where it took me. Mm -hmm. so. so was it that product that led you to name your store? I saw something shiny. Um, yes and no. Um, I had to see something bright instead of focusing on my health. And so, and yes, the stones sort of tied into that. Um, but it just kind of came to me um, when I was talking to my pastor's wife and, and she said, Oh, I saw something shiny. And I said, what? And she said, well, you were talking with your hands and you have a pretty ring and it just, I don't know. It's, it's something that it's very difficult to explain, but I think that, um, God has always spoken to me. And fortunately, I've listened to him when I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So um, how did you decide on a location, that first location that you opened in? 
Well, you know, we looked at once we decided we were going to open a store and my friend Doug had an established brand um, and we had worked together and become good friends. Um, and so we were going to share a spot and we looked at a few places around town and outside of town and just realized that whatever we were going to do, location, location, location. And we could start something like that somewhere else and who knows how long it would have lasted. Um, but considering the location, we knew that whatever we chose to do or how it evolved, it had a better chance of being successful. Mm -hmm. So First Avenue and Sandpoint, it was definitely the place to be. It is the main drag. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then what caused you to move to your new location? Well, when Doug and I start, we were in the location for four and a half years. And when we actually signed the lease in the very beginning, you know, we both said to each other, at some point, we're going to grow. One of us is going to grow out of this. And, you know, whenever that happens, we'll just decide what happens. And, um, and I was the first one to say, oh, my gosh, I need space because it was such a tiny store. And I, I really, I love shoes and I love handbags and I love accessories. And I didn't, I didn't even have room for a purse, let alone a collection. And, um, and so I decided to look around and I knew that there was a space available probably in the most desirable location in the heart of downtown. It was only up a block, but that block can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And um, when I looked at the space, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is really big and I don't need that much space, but I'll figure it out. And then I thought, you know, I always loved Nordstrom. To me, it was like the shopping experience. You know, you could go all day with your friends and shop all the different floors and then go have a martini and lunch and whatever. Not that I drank martinis at lunch, <laughs> but I, I just always loved that concept and thought, well, I can have my shoes and purses and accessories, but I could also have a chocolate bar and a wine bar, which would definitely round out the concept. And at that time, I just didn't have any idea that I could possibly do any food. But I thought, well, that this is a great experience. Experiential retail experiences, I think, are which is a little redundant, um, are much better than having a clothing store. It just there's a lot more to offer. Yes, boy, in, in today's environment, it's all about the experience. You bet. So your background in marketing and branding, what kind of marketing did you do for your shop when you first opened and what do you do now? When I first opened, I really didn't do anything. I, I was coasting through, I had had um, uh, 10 surgeries in 20 months, the first 20 months. Wow. And so I just really focused on a day-to-day -day getting by and not really knowing where it was going to go. I, I needed to get past that major event um, before I could really start thinking about it. And once I did get past that, um, it, it really just started to grow and blossom. And, and I had a lot of customers that became regular customers and I would participate in uh, Lost in the 50s and different events around town and, and the word got out. So it was really word of mouth. Um, 
And then I did a little bit of advertising in print. Um, I followed the merchants group downtown and, and the things that they chose to do, I did as well. Um, and so I really didn't do a lot until we moved. And, and then I knew I needed to do a lot. <laughs> so I advertised in Sandpoint Magazine and did a little bit of radio. And of course, the, the other events that the Downtown Association does. Um, but I've had this vision of doing social media because I know I have to and I'm not good at it. And it's so crazy that I was a marketer my whole life. I was a marketer, even in the restaurant business. I was a marketer. And it's the more difficult thing for me to do right now because my focus is on the product, the, the, the staff, the, the development of lines. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And, um, and it's still my biggest challenge, but I am determined. Um, I actually have somebody coming today that's going to help me with it. But um, that to me is the most important thing I need to do, um, aside from all of it. And maybe some of it needs to um, step back a little bit and have lesser focus so that I can focus on the social media and the advertising. I do have a radio campaign going on right now, um, which has been fairly easy for me because I don't have to manage it day to day. Mm -hmm. The radio stations do that. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, it's dear. so many hats that you have to wear as a business owner. And yeah. you quickly identify the ones that you really don't like to do. And so those are the ones that you procrastinate on. <laughs> yes, that is for sure. <laughs> oh, dear. And finding the right people to come in and help you is always a challenge, too, especially in this labor market. Well, and that's really the thing. I did have somebody come in and she's willing to set it all up for me. And, you know, she does great photography and she has great ideas and um, the automation of it. But it's still at this point in time, just one more thing on my plate would be the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. And so I really do need to have that person whose sole responsibility is focusing on my social media. Mm -hmm. So when you moved to your new location, you um, did add a, kind of like an experience thing in the back there where you offered wine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you decided you were going to expand that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did that come about? Well, it was really interesting because when we first opened, it was crazy good busy the that we were the buzz of the town everything was going really really well I went to shows I I purchased a lot of product and came back just in time for COVID to shut us down and when we first opened reopened um, it went really well and then when Sandpoint really started to get hit um, People, I, you really noticed the thinning of the crowds. People were not going out. The regular customers were not going out. And once they started to, they were coming in the store and saying, I just came by to say hi. I don't really need anything because I'm living in my sweatpants. I don't have any place to go. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What are we going to do? And, and then I thought, well, you know, I've got to create something for them to go to so that they'll come and buy something to wear to it. <laughs> and so really? we started doing wine, tape, wine and food pairings 
um, which we had catered. And of course the profitability wasn't necessarily there, but the people really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking more and more, I, I have to serve food. I have to have this all the time to really, um, for my wine bar to earn its keep for the square per square foot um, and, and really to give people something to do. And um, so that's what got me here. And, and it's, you know, it's started, uh, it's started to ramp up and it's been a slow go, but it's, that's a good thing because we would not have been prepared if we'd gotten slammed when we first started mm -hmm. serving. But um, it's really turned out to be a wonderful addition to the business because really we offer something to everyone now, whether it's man or woman or child, or there's something for everybody. There's chocolate and little goodies for children. There's my top selling item is an AK-47 a whiskey decanter for men. <laughs> it's crazy. Whoever thought, you know, and my shoes and, and bags and so on for women, they just love it. And um, so there really is something for everything and the whole family can come for lunch and we'll be serving our dinners pretty soon too. Oh, wow. So expanding to full-time lunch and dinner. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, now that you've said we'll it, now that you've said it, you have to do it, right? I know. Well, we're, we have to do it this weekend anyway, because somebody came in and said, I want to make a reservation for the 22nd. And I said, Ooh. okay, all right, there it is. Nothing Toe like, in the water, yeah. <laughs> commitment, I'm doing it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So can you, can you give me an idea of just the percentage of your business that comes from the, uh, the shop, the boutique part versus your food and beverage? Is there a percentage? As of the moment, it's really only about 30%, and that does include wine sales okay. um, of, for our restaurant portion or the food and beverage. Um, the retail, of course, is about 70%. I do see that sort of balancing out a little bit as we maximize, um, you know, our space for food service um, and, and really kind of need to. Um, putting in a kitchen was quite an endeavor very expensive one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it needs to earn its keep too. Sure. <laughs> but um, the one category that I have that brings my margins down it, are the shoes. Um, I don't have a huge markup on them. They're, you know, the average price point is between a hundred and $200. Um, and I just don't, uh, given our community and the Northwest, um, I really don't want to mark them up as much as I could or should, I suppose. I think it would hurt. Um, food and beverage, on the other hand, has an excellent margin. So that would be why I would want to kind of give that a greater percent percentage of my business. Mm -hmm. So I'm still running about a, a 60% right now. Okay. So, um, Share, share with our listeners the product assortment that you have. You, you mentioned the <laughs> shoes, <laughs> handbags, accessories. We have wonderful shoes that are all manufactured in Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy. Um, they're just beautiful. And, 
And again, you know, it was really a blessing and a curse at the same time moving into uh, the boutique uh, scene because I love all of them. And uh, it's probably one of my biggest downfalls. Um, the apparel, uh, we have always targeted, I don't want to say the Missy, but the, the woman 45 to 65. However, I'm noticing now that since we have expanded our offering uh, with the wine bar and the restaurant and the wine shop, we're starting to attract a little younger customer. So our assortment uh, moves more away from a Missy line to more contemporary. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really, I'm, um, it's probably still 65% of the uh, boutique side. Mm -hmm. And um, and in addition to the wine and wine and excuse me apparel and shoes, we also have uh, gifts. So for men and for women, um, a little bit of home decor. It just really warms the shop up. And you know, I think about I just recently started carrying wonderful lifestyle books. And you know, because I keep thinking, well, if anybody's stuck at home, they can always take a bottle of wine, a piece of cheese, and a great cookbook. <laughs> and they're actually moving very well. Um, and we've, we're just bringing in now a line of fine handbags, ham and handbags, and they're absolutely beautiful, much higher price point. Um, so we'll we're just putting our toe in the water with that one to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have our wine shop and our wine shop. Uh, it, we offer wines that are not available anywhere else. They're not. And that's what we really like to to um, differentiate ourselves, that everything we do is a little bit different. And the wines are not available in the grocery stores. And we've tasted them all to make sure that they've earned a space on our racks. And that gives us the opportunity to bring in wine accessories. So from wine bags to corkscrews to aerators to all kinds of things, giftable items surrounding that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have our chocolate bar, which was with us from the beginning of this location. And um, that business is growing like crazy. I can hardly keep it on the shelves. So wow. that's been really wonderful. Um, and now we're bringing in, we're doing private label coffee um, and other food type items, as well as putting in a deli case for cheeses, because I've been buying these beautiful wheels of cheese and it takes a lot of charcuterie boards to use up a giant wheel of cheese. So as of this week, we're starting wine flights with cheese pairings. So if you come in for happy hour, you have the opportunity to try four different wines and the cheeses that are paired with them. And if you like them, you can take home the cheese and the bottle of wine. And there you go. Oh, that's take awesome. a cookbook on the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a fun that's, experience. Yeah, it really, I don't know what else I can fit in this little space. Yeah. <laughs> Holy so. cow. So, um, now you have a website too. And so do you do, um, do you sell online? We do a little bit, but being um, the, the typical boutique, we don't bring in large quantities of any style. Um, nobody wants to see 30 of the same item on the rack, which, you know, would really, if we did, then we could sell online, but we've found, um, and we do some of it, some of the, 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 the basic pieces that don't, um, 
you know, that we'll continue to renew and bring back in again. But by the time you've photographed, done all the copy, put it up, and you're selling both in the retail store and online, all of a sudden it's gone before you are even finished posting it. Right. So there's a very quick, there, there's very quick turn on the boutique side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Now we will be putting up um, our menus on, a, we have the restaurant portion is called at the district and the, re, the district will have its own website and menus and so on that will be updated frequently. That's so cute. I saw something shiny at the district. Yes. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, So um, when you first started, and maybe when you first started, you didn't do this because you've explained, you know, how you started, but do you now have a business plan? Um, Yes and no. I do have a a business plan at the launch of 313, um, our current address, I had a business plan because it was a very different animal than what we had moved from. Um, As we add on all of these pieces of the business, they basically get their own business plan um, because they really, they were not part of the original plan. They have to, I have to pencil out to generate the income to cover the expense um, and keep the margins in balance. Um, But it's not, I couldn't go to an investor and say, here's my business plan, take a look. I did do that uh, when we were getting ready to open the restaurant. Um, it just, it's changed so quickly mm-hmm. that it's difficult to keep up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, <laughs> you talked about going to um, market. Where do you go to source your product? Normally I go to the shows in Las Vegas, which happen twice a year. Um, And that's both for the gift market and for the apparel market. They're a couple of weeks apart, but there's one in um, early spring and then one in the early fall um, for the following seasons. Um, And and of course, COVID threw a wrench in that. And, um, you know, I didn't go to shows until I went again this just this fall. Uh, couldn't make it to Vegas, but in Vegas, it's all there. You know, Mm -hmm. you have six different apparel shows. Um, You have the world market for for gifts and home decor. Um, So it's really, it's my place to go. They have, there are many across the country, Dallas and Atlanta are very big markets to LA, but but that's really where I get the best work done. Mm -hmm. Everybody's there. Yep. So. So do you have a mission statement? I do, you know, and I, and I kind of play with it from time to time and just think, you know, because it's always been, for me, it's all about the experience, you know, and, and we want to create an environment that's welcoming everybody. I want anybody that comes through the door. I don't want Amanda walk and go, oh, it's a, it's a dress shop. I don't want anyone to come in and say, oh my gosh, it's too expensive for me because it's not, you can buy a piece of chocolate for 75 cents. You know, there's something for everyone. So it's a, a, an environment that's welcoming to everyone and offers something that is satisfying to each individual. We strive to create memories. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, <laughs> well thank you. So would you share um, some of the tools, specifically the technical type of services 
because I found that a lot of people, when they're thinking about maybe opening up their own place, just the, where do they go to, you know, point of sale system, credit card processing, you know, how do they manage all of that? And so I would love for you to share what you use to help you. Sure. I, um, Having been in business before, I know how difficult it is to manage all of the various parts. So I tried to find a POS system that would do the most for me possible. Um, I even still have a hard time. I, I use Square. Um, so Square for retail controls or reports on my inventory. Um, I can do time card on it, hmm. payroll on it. Um, and it, and it works for both businesses. Um, I recently, I've, I've gone back to them many times and said, you really need to um, fine tune the retail portion and the restaurant portion because they're two different apps because I'm a hybrid and there are many of us out there that you could you know, expand on to, to create a product that would work better uh, for us. And so I've been telling them, please use me as a beta. You need to come here and see what I do mm-hmm. <laughs> to make it easier. And they, I just got a request um, yesterday to be part of the beta program. So I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that. That's but great. it also incorporates, you know, the credit card processing. And as I say, all of the reporting, it's, it's very robust reporting. Now it wouldn't be the same to the same level as when I worked at Coldwater Creek or when I worked at Chico's, it's just not that big. But for me as an individual, because I still take care of my own books, I do all of my own ordering, I do my replenishment and it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I still, you know, I'm trying to get Square to talk to QuickBooks a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that that's the way it's going to be forever. I'm not one that wants to hold on to all of that. I'm looking for people to pass that off to. <laughs> um, but it is the easiest for me at this point. You know, we'll move away from it at some point. Sure. And speaking of people, how many employees do you have? We have just hired three new gals. So we are up to 10. Wow. I know I can't, but, but, you know, keeping in mind that just about everybody's part-time and those are the challenges of the day. I mean, it's really difficult to find, I'm having difficulty. I know I'm not alone finding full-time people that can take on this chunk of responsibility and this chunk of responsibility. I'm really focused on hiring those people, but in the meantime, I'm satisfied with somebody that can work four days a week. Um, not satisfied, but I'm, I'm happy that I have them because it's difficult these days. That's one of the biggest challenges. I had much bigger ideas, not in the distant past. And I'm so glad I decided not to, do, to go take that path because I would have I would have failed not being able to hire the people that would be necessary mm-hmm. to drive that business. So mm-hmm. baby steps, little by little, yep. making sure it's not just my plan, but God's involved there too. And I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> so. so what was the most surprising thing you discovered opening your own store? Um, the most surprising thing. I guess was um, 
realizing how much I would enjoy being my own boss. I was always sort of, uh, you know, a square pig in a round hole corporately anyway, because I, I have, um, I've always had so many ideas. It's the idea du jour. Everybody, anytime I say it to my team, oh, I've got an idea. And they go, oh, <laughs> she goes. Um, but I like the freedom of being able to do that because the one thing I've found corporately is that they just can't react quickly to anything. It's just, a, you know, the a big, big corporation, big government can't, react to the to the you know the problem du jour or the opportunity du jour and um and i guess i was surprised how quickly i could react and turn on a dime and make it the best it can be mm-hmm. and i just i really enjoy that part of it mm-hmm. so what are the parts that well we've already discovered one social media that you don't enjoy but what are what are some of the parts that you don't like about being your own boss uh books paperwork Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I just I wish it would just miss uh just surprisingly just do it on its own I don't know I think that's probably the worst of it it's not that I don't like social media I do like it and I but I I find it hard to take the time as I plan and say, okay, I'm going to do this, this day, this, this day, and this, this day, and then 12 things will get in the way between today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, um, it's not that I dislike it, um, but it's a challenge. It's mm-hmm. a challenge trying to work everything in. Sure. So I hope I answered that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are your favorite parts about being your own boss? Um, the freedom to be creative. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, I love that it's, it's whether it's selecting product or whether it's selecting shoes or creating a menu item or, you know, I, I love that part of it. I just, it's creative and, you know, and I think the other thing that I probably haven't mentioned enough is I love mentoring staff. I love being able to teach them what I've learned. Um, I love to hear back from them, their ideas and be able to incorporate that. Um, It's really rewarding, I think, too, with the customers um, that come in and just, you know, you've made a difference in their day. It's it's incredibly rewarding. And, And I can say that we did it. You know, our little team did that. You know, they made that person happy and they accomplished that. And mm-hmm. that's fun. Yeah. It's very fun. So what advice do you have to someone who's thinking about opening their own retail store? Um, advice as far as what they definitely should do? Um, really, we all come up, I think, with so many ideas and they can be great dreams. And, and if you don't look into them, you may miss an opportunity. But what you do need to do is separate the passion and the reality. And I do recommend, you know, really putting it down on paper. It, it can be something you really enjoy. But if it doesn't generate revenue and pay your paycheck and pay for your future, it's a hobby. And I learned that. 
course, it, it, you know, early in the years of this business, I mean, it was really, it was fine to let it be my hobby because um, it was keeping me sane and it, and it gave me a path to good health. And, but really and truly, and if I was starting out now, I would have taken a much different approach and planning, is it viable? What do you do in the off season? What is your what is your burn? You know, what do you really need month to month? Can you cover it if, if COVID hits again? So more than just passion, because there, there are a lot of great ideas out there, but making sure that it's something that you can afford to do and that you're taking on a realistic approach um, and, and then determining what success means to you. Is it success if people love it or is it a financial success if you reach certain financial goals? I've worked with several people at Retail Level Up and they're in the infancy stage of their business. And I encourage them to write a business plan and they're okay doing it. I mean, it's still, it's a little daunting, um, but when they get to the financial section, they're just like, mind is blown. Like, I don't know. It feels Thanks. like it's a guess, but <laughs> it's so important to come up with, you got to back into those numbers and figure out what, you know, what do you have to sell in order to, you know, to pay for all your expenses, right? It's a big part of it. And so important that you do the, the numbers up front. It really is. And, you know, I have a neighbor that um, has recently started the business and, you know, and I, and I love their concept and I love their location, but it's like, have you, did you talk to other retailers? Do you know what to expect from this market? in the next month mm -hmm. and then through January, February, March, April, and then it kind of goes up in May. So it just, it, it I, you know, I, I praise God that we are here. We survived the whole COVID thing. Um, and I think I have a much better handle on it than I did before, but looking back at the beginning of the business, I wouldn't have made it because I wasn't, I didn't have the foresight. I'd never penciled it out. I was just like kind of riding the wave. <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. really necessary. And, and to really have that rude awakening from passion, hobby to business, mm -hmm. you know, this has got to be a marketable business. Someday I'll sell it. And right. I have to have my ducks in order and it has to be viable for that potential um, investor that's going to buy it. So right. Do it from the beginning and you'll be so much happier. Yep. I say that to a lot of people that, you know, do you, do you own a business or do you own a job? Exactly. If you can't, you know, put it down on paper and say, this is what we do here. And this is how we do it. You own right. a job. Yeah. Yep. That's so true. And so any tips on what definitely not to do things to avoid? Um, I think when, hold on to your vision because there will be a lot of naysayers along the way and don't discount what they say, but put it into perspective um, because it's so easy to, to get off the rails, you know, when you're listening to other, too many other people. Um, Find a mentor like Mickey <laughs> that, that will help guide you through the beginning, through the middle, and through the growth. Um, don't, don't wing it on your own. 
but don't let too many people try to influence it because they'll you'll have so many different opinions and so many naysayers and so many, you know, choose your choose your got your counsel uh, carefully. Yes. You know, our friends and family certainly want us to succeed and they care about us so much. But the first thing often that they say is like, Ooh, isn't that a big risk? You know, are yeah. you sure you want to yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe you should do it this way, or maybe you should do this first and do that next. And that, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody's full of uh, advice and it may come from the heart, but it, it can really, it can make you lose your focus, keeping yeah. in mind what your end game is and working back. Mm-hmm. So surround yourself with people who give you good advice because they are experts in that area. Exactly. Great. So for our listeners and watchers that would like to visit, I saw something shiny and at the district. Uh, if they're in the inland Northwest area, Northern Panhandle of Idaho, they can visit Sandpoint, Idaho, and you're at 313 North First Ave. That's right. Okay. And they can go online to isawsomethingshiny.com. And, yes. but if, if you're anywhere in the area, Spokane, Washington, you're in Western Montana, North Idaho is worth a trip and certainly Sandpoint. It truly is. It's, we have, we're blessed to be here. It's such a great area. There's a it, lot of fun things to do. For sure. Like visiting, I saw something shiny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for being my guest today. Thank you, Mickey, for inviting me. I I enjoyed it. Awesome. And wishing you great success through the holiday season. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you. Take care. Thanks.